This is Teresa Treat, Associate Editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Today's guest is Joel Nigg, who is a professor of psychiatry and behavioral neuroscience at Oregon Health and Science University. Dr. Nigg recently authored an article in Current Directions in Psychological Science that is titled Parsing ADHD with Temperament Traits. Joel, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you about your influential contributions to psychological science. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to do it. So, could you get us started by providing our listeners a brief overview of ADHD and comment on the comorbidity and heterogeneity challenges to our understanding of ADHD? ADHD, for all you've heard about it, really boils down pretty simply to a behavioral syndrome that's very common in kids and can also be identified in adults, characterized by three features. One is extremes of inattention, which includes both not paying attention and spacing out, but also being poor, what we call executive functioning, being disorganized, um, losing things, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It also encompasses hyperactivity, which in children is easily defined as extreme levels of activity, running about, climbing, never being able to sit still. Much as you might see in a younger child, uh, you would see in an older child here at developmentally inappropriate levels. And then impulsivity, which has a common sense definition here of simply acting without thinking. Uh, which is characteristic of this this population of, of people. The comorbidity problem is that the majority of these youth, and this seems to be true even as we get into adolescence and adulthood, also have a comorbid psychiatric problems or emotional or behavioral difficulties in the realm either of defiance and disruptive behavior or in the realm of anxiety, which is very common throughout, or in the realm as they get into adolescence of depression and mood problems. And then and throughout development into adolescence, conduct problems, as well as substance use and, mm-hmm. and other problems. Even PTSD is more common in this population than in than would be predicted by chance. So there clearly is a, a lot of overlap here, so much so that some have questioned the distinctness, but uh, the best studies clearly can isolate the distinct syndrome despite the common comorbidity uh, and distinct correlates. So that's a key problem is the, the comorbidity. What about the heterogeneity challenge that you face with ADHD? A key issue. Uh, The literature tells us that the clinicians are right. These kids don't all look alike. Uh, Many of them have the comorbid disorders I mentioned. Not all of them do. But even when they do have a comorbid condition or might have one, their profile of behavior is very variable. Some of these children are delightful and socially skilled. Others are very difficult to be around and very rejected by their peers. Some are popular, some are unpopular. Some are athletic, some are very clumsy. Uh, Some have effective uh, learning skills, others have terrible learning problems. We know that they are probably genetically heterogeneous. We know that the brain scan results don't apply to all of them. And so they just seem highly heterogeneous in terms of biology as well as clinical and functional presentation. Understanding that is critical to making progress on understanding etiology, cause, predicting course, and even choosing the right treatments. Okay. Your paper focuses in particular on the role of transdiagnostic emotion regulation processes in ADHD as indicated by temperamental factors. Why focus on emotion regulation and what key aspects of emotion regulation are of primary interest? Well, we define emotion regulation here as very atypical extremes of emotional expression. 
meaning really emotional dysregulation as characterized by trait ratings here. These are not observational measures yet at this stage, but the reason we focus on it is that this is often the presenting problem for kids with ADHD. It's very salient to clinicians that the child with ADHD has got tremendous temper tantrums that are extreme. Uh, and the clinician then asks, uh, is this part of ADHD? Is this really due to some other condition? Or they have anxiety, which may be a comorbid disorder, but it's also a trait of emotional dysregulation. Mm -hmm. And so all the things that could be comorbid disorders can also be thought of as traits. And so we have you know, the difficulty calming down after you're angry. We have the, the worry, but we also have extreme exuberance, uh, extreme excitability, running out in the street because you're excited about seeing your friend without looking for cars. So these extremes of expression of motivation and emotion are very silly to clinicians. And we think may provide one key clue to ADHD heterogeneity, in part because it's a neglected area historically. There's a actually quite an active scientific controversy over the last 25 years about whether ADHD should include more emotional features. Uh, they used to before we had, when we had minimal brain dysfunction back in the 20th century long ago, but mm -hmm. um, now it doesn't. And this, the question is, should we, was that somehow a mistake? Do we need to reconsider this without muddying the water too much? Is there a good way to do it? Mm -hmm. So it's a key scientific question because it's a key clinical question. Okay, okay. So you've conducted several studies that broadly characterize the role of emotion regulation in ADHD and related disorders, where emotion regulation is indexed by temperamental trait affectivity measures. Could you comment first on whether assessing temperamental trait affectivity enhances our clinical characterization of ADHD? My impression is that it would. Um, after 10 years of this type of research, we have shown a number of factors that would make this clinically useful. The ability of temperament trait characterization to help predict future outcome is a major one, uh, the future risk, future clinical risk. Uh, so we think that it has great potential to help us characterize ADHD and great potential to help us select treatments more accurately. Okay, okay. And so next, could you comment on whether polygenic risk for ADHD is associated with these trait dimensions of emotion regulation and why this might be interesting? Yes, one of our key findings was that when we create a genetic risk score for ADHD, which we do simply by summing up common genes associated with the condition, mm -hmm. uh, it's a common method used in medicine to create a, a just an overall idea, a rough idea of genetic risk. It's not comprehensive, but it's a good starting point mm -hmm. for genetic risk or something. We are able to show in our research that that risk score not only is it correlated with ADHD symptoms, of course, but to a similar degree, it's correlated with these emotional features, even after you take out the overlap of ADHD and the emotion features. So it's associated with extreme extroversion and activity, but also extreme uh, gregariousness and impulsivity, as well as extreme anger, irritability, inability to recover from temper tantrums. So these are major features of the emotional landscape in ADHD that in an ADHD population are best explained genetically by ADHD genetic risk, not by depression genetic risk or bipolar genetic risk, suggesting that they are part of the syndrome if we think of it as a genetically influenced, partially biologically characterizable syndrome, then these features are, can be part of it and don't necessarily have to mean that there's a comorbid disorder if mm -hmm. you're looking at an ADHD population. Okay. Interestingly, some other mood features, uh, sadness and anxiety were not related to ADHD genetic risk. So. We have a, uh, an idea that 
at least in the age group we studied, the population we studied, that the majority of emotion regulation problems that we see, the, those that are related to outgoingness and perhaps to impulsivity, and those related to anger, irritability, seem to be part of the genetic syndrome if defined biologically at least some of the time, and that uh, this is very important to understanding the condition and it's uh, conceptualizing it as a, as a syndrome. Interesting. So finally, could you share with us what you and your colleagues have learned about the role of emotion regulation in the development of ADHD? One of our key findings was that if you look forward in time, you can see that the characterizing by ADHD helps you uh, elaborate on the course of the illness. Uh, and that's very powerful, as I mentioned before, in terms of clinical mm -hmm. prediction. The other thing that we've done is start to look at very early life at the, the origins of ADHD from, from birth forward. The hypothesis is that if ADHD is a neurodevelopmental condition, you might begin to see precursors or, or signs of it even before the, the syndrome is fully manifest in early life, and you might find risk factors uh, in early life. And one clue to this has been that we know there's a strong association with negative affectivity related mm -hmm. to emotion regulation in infants and toddlers with ADHD later. That's been shown in a number of prospective studies. We added this to this, the idea that uh, risk factors during pregnancy for the mother then predict, not only do they predict negative affectivity in the infant, which we were able to find, but also they predict from there forward to the child having high ADHD symptoms when they're five or six years old. Mm -hmm. So we have some preliminary evidence that the early development of ADHD may go through a pathway, at least in a significant percentage of the time, that includes breakdowns in emotion regulation very early in life or failure to consolidate emotion regulation mm -hmm. in a normative fashion in early development that then leads secondarily to breakdowns in executive functioning, self-control in other areas. So, so it's a model that we like that seems to have some initial support, and we are now pursuing with larger samples to see if we can really nail this down. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned. So overall, to what extent do trait affectivity dimensions of emotion regulation shed light on the comorbidity and heterogeneity of ADHD? Might the approach that you have adopted also help to address similar challenges facing our understanding of other psychological disorders? I think that they're beginning to be extremely helpful for ADHD, at least in our hands. I'm mm -hmm. eager to see more, more replication attempts. Sure, sure. Hopefully this paper will spur some of those, but those replications that have been attempted by other labs have all consistently shown uh, a subgroup of ADHD kids, generally a majority, who have significant atypical emotion dysregulation difficulties. Uh, they don't always find the subgroups that we've seen of irritable and non-irritable, but mm -hmm. that there's a large group that are dysregulated seems well reproduced now. And the clinical significance also seems to be emerging, uh, although we need more replication. So I think this is going to prove to be quite useful, quite powerful as an alternative way to think about heterogeneity and perhaps superior to the subtypes or sub presentations that are now in our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual or DSM-5. The same approach certainly is being used with other conditions or could be. Mm -hmm. I think it would be very useful to do, um, certainly for conditions that have obviously emotional features it may be quite useful to look at the entire emotional profile because of course those features often run together. But even for those that don't, I think it could add some, uh, some traction. So I think it's a, a approach of combining these trait measures with the categorical diagnoses that's gonna be quite fruitful for the field in the coming uh, era.
Interesting. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, Joel. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to share your influential contributions to psychological science with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.